Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, Friday, August 14th. Guys, let me just say, I'm going to be faking a lot of uh, energy on today's podcast after what happened last night. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my name, of course, is Javier Reyes, your host of this here at Lockdown Padres Podcast. Um, check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account if you like and appreciate my craziness, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. It's like a jalapeno. You get it? And my name's Javi. So you get it? You see what I did there? Really clever, I know. Anyway, uh, if, you, if you feel so inclined, hit me up on either of those accounts with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. You can also check out the Gmail, which is LockdownPodres at gmail.com with any questions or whatever, maybe more detailed responses that you want to send me. So do that if you'd like. If you feel so inclined, maybe you're bored, whatever. And, you know, boredom is definitely a, a symptom. Uh, that I think everyone's undergoing sometimes these days. Anyway, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by Built Bar. That's right. <laughs> yes, honestly, doing today's episode, this is the thing that's getting me through it after what happened last night, right? Really excited to talk about Built Bar. Uh, remember to get go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. And today's episode... As I've been mentioning, we are covering last night's kind of disastrous game against the Dodgers. Going to be talking about Paddock and Perdermo later on, especially just kind of splitting it up into the, the two halves of the game and kind of some observations I had um, going into it and coming out of it. Let's just say uh, not not thrilled with the performance, I guess you could say, by the Padres. But let's get into some of the the housekeeping, right? Let's get into some of the, the lineup things that happened last night, right? First of all, it was the first day off for Trent Grisham, which makes sense. He's been a little bit of a slump lately, still getting walks and stuff, but he hasn't been able to get too many extra base hits or any hits of any kind. So made sense to give him the day off. Uh, Jorge Mateo made his debut in left field, which was really cool to see. If you guys remember, he was originally supposed to make his debut, uh, probably for the team at the beginning of the year, but he tested positive for COVID, which ended up leading to, uh, I don't want to say that it's is like say it like it's a good thing that he did for this case but Cronenworth ended up getting that last spot and he's been great for us we are not Cronenworthy and he's been really great for us and he actually replaced Machado later on in this game and then he ended up going to shortstop which was really great because it means he's actually played every infield position for the team this season super utility man potentially in the making, which is a great thing to see, especially considering uh, that the team, you know, one of the concerns about the Padres coming in was the lack of depth and no guarantees of everybody staying healthy, that while the roster does look solid on paper, that especially with their their infielders, that, you know, not a lot of depth. Well, Cronenworth seems to be adding to that. I know he doesn't walk too much, but I do like that swing. I do like his contact rate and all that stuff. So hopefully he can keep it up and just be this utility guy for us. It's been really great to see. Um, but that's all for that part of the thing. You know, the game actually starts off great. Tommy Pham momentarily reclaims his warlock status as he blasts a homer with two outs. Just yesterday, as I was saying, how he no longer is is known as the warlock for the time being just because he hasn't been so great. And then what does he do? He does great. He hits that home run. Uh, You know, Tommy Pham, great player. We have to keep that in mind. You know, this is a guy who's always had a great on-base kind of ability, even when he was back in his early days with St. Louis, the lowest that he'd had really was back in 2016 when it was 324. You know what I mean? But that was only because he played in 78 games, you know, back when he, you know, didn't play nearly as much. And then his MVP, borderline MVP season, when he only played in 128 games, which wasn't great, he batted 306 with a 411 on base. He got 367, 448 in the brief time he was with the, the Rays after that, that trade, right? He was great for them. And then last season, 273, 369, 450 splits. That was great. 
and he's got a decent amount of pop with 21 uh, homers last year and 25 steals. So he, he just a good, solid all-around player. We know what he's capable of, and I know that his 219 through 29. Uh, 315 kind of slash line right now does not look great, but it hasn't been so atrocious that I don't think he can bounce back. He still has the opportunity to be the Warlock. He just hasn't been it right now. So it was really exciting when he did hit that homer. And then right after that, Eric Hosmer on the very first pitch managed to send another solo shot. It just, the momentum's building. We come off of last night's donut and then, you know, the paddock tragedy occurs. (laughs) I should have the, the episode of the podcast. I might have the podcast uh, read that. Paddock Tragedy. Uh, he gives up a two-run homer to Corey Seager, and then he ends up giving a solo shot up to A.J. Pollock, which basically, now the score is 3-2, immediately uh, renders all the good momentum and all the good vibes that we had after that first inning kind of inert, and just kills it. Kills the whole momentum of the first inning completely. And then the next inning, my arch nemesis, Chris Taylor, Chris friggin' Taylor, managed to get on base, and then Mookie Betts goes deep. One could say it was only a matter of time before he did well against us, but still, really a, a tough uh, kind of moment. Then the bottom of the third inning, there's a really bad Oliveris error that happens, uh, which, you know, ball bounces off of him in center field. Um, giving Turner a, a double instead of a single, which what it should have been. Not great to see. And then A.J. Pollock doubles to right, allowing Justin Turner to score. Uh, it was nice to see Hedges throw out later after that, uh, Pollock advancing the third, which, you know, again, I keep making my campaign for Francisco to be here to get more starts. I still kind of stand by it, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, you guys can call me an idiot maybe because Hedges does make plays behind the plate like that where he's able to throw runners out. You know, I do still think he's allowed a couple pass balls, so it's not like he's been perfect defensively. And I still think, hey, maybe we should give um, he a credit for how good Lamette's been behind the plate when – I'm sorry, how good um, Lamette's been with Mejia behind the plate. You know what I mean? So I do think he does deserve some credit there. But still, I do acknowledge that my campaign is losing momentum every time Hedges makes plays like this. Uh, But that's it from Paddock, right? Let's talk about him for a second, right? Final stat line of three innings pitched, uh, six hits, six earned runs, only a walk, but then only one strikeout and only 52 pitches they ended up doing. And they were hitting him. They were hitting him hard. This was not just one of those singles type of games. They He gave up three homers and two doubles was not good. The only other time Chris Paddock had a worse night then what uh, happened on Thursday was against the Red Sox, actually, last year, obviously. Last year, obviously, at last year. On August 23rd, he gave up three runs in the first inning that night as well and finished just two and a third innings into the game, having allowed six runs on seven hits, so slightly worse uh, compared to his start last night. He was just... He was just bad, man. It's one of the worst things, and he's kind of having a little bit of a sophomore slump this season so far. He was missing location with his fastball yet again. I mentioned yesterday with the spray chart, he's missing low and inside and low and away, and that kind of happened with the Corey Seager homer. He clearly, uh, that was not the pitch that Hedges wanted. He missed on the location with it, and Seager took him deep. I know Seager's a good player, but geez, like you got to start hitting your spots more, Paddock. And the fastball actually seemed a little bit slower at points, touching around 93 and 94 miles per hour, which is a little uh, nerve-wracking. I could be wrong with that, the 93. I do remember. I remember seeing the 93 miles an hour, though. I could be wrong. Uh, the Dodgers actually swung at 10 of Paddock's fastballs, and they hit all of them. Yeah, so they were not, you know, one of the things about Paddock that people have brought up with, like, the, I forgot what the name of the stat is, but it, maybe it's his barrel rate. I forgot what it was exactly. Not barrel, that doesn't make sense, but there was a stat out there that basically one thing that makes Paddock so devastating, everybody knows about the changeup, but basically it's hard to tell uh, what pitch he's throwing when you immediately see it coming off of coming off of his arm, that split second that you have to try and see where the pitch is going. You can't really tell if it's changeup or fastball, which is what makes him so devastating, right? So 
clearly was not it, the the Dodgers saw what was happening last night. It was not effective. Was missing all the control. Not great to see. It was really disappointing. I told you guys yesterday we needed the dominant Sheriff start. He was decent the first time against the Dodgers, but this time he just gets completely roughed up. I guess there are a couple of silver linings that I'd like to just share with you guys. You know, for the very few times he used it, the curveball did look pretty great. I know last year he only used it 5% of the time around that area, and this year it's about up to like 15, 20%-ish around that area, maybe a little bit less than 20%, hovering around that area, and I thought it looked great. I really did. I thought it actually looked nasty at points. The low, the, you know, the, the, the curveball just cutting inside on the batters looked great. In for the strike, that was really awesome to see. If, like I said, if he can add that to his repertoire, he can be really, 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 really elite, not just positive. Padres elite, not just NL West elite, like elite entire league type of good pitcher, but he needs to also be locating that fastball better. What's good of your 5% pitch or 15% pitch that you're using if you can't use your main things well? That wasn't great, but still a little bit of a silver lining. I do think that the curveballs look great. And in the four starts following that aforementioned Red Sox start last season, Paddock only allowed two runs and struck out 32 guys in 23rd, 23 and a third's innings, so maybe if history repeats itself, which it often does, do not get me wrong, everybody's aware of that, uh, maybe he can hopefully after this, you know, he's got, we've got the Arizona series coming up, but then he's got Texas, and I'll be talking to Bryce uh, Paterik of Lockdown Rangers about that series, but um, as far as I'm aware, uh, Texas ain't exactly got a, you know, super intimidating offense, so hopefully he can kind of get back on track with a start against Texas, so those are the silver linings, guys, with Paddock, and his start wasn't great, but let me tell you, those aren't the only silver linings, guys. That's right. You know who's back. You know what's going to make everybody happy. This will cheer you up, right, guys? Built Bar is back. Oh, boy, I'm so excited to talk about this. And, you know, I talked about them last time, and I talked about how exciting Built Bar was. And one of the things I liked about them so much was that they had 12 original flavors, like 12 different flavors, and they all really managed to taste well. Even their mint brownie flavor, which... Not going to hate on people who like mint. I just personally don't like mint-flavored things unless they're just those chewy little mints that you have after, you know, when you go to, to get dinner at a restaurant, right? And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread was great, right? Peanut butter, brownie, the toffee almond, the coconut was good, right? But guess what, guys? On top of those flavors, they've got six new ones, and I dare you, I dare all of you, right now, you can send me an email, and you can yell at me on Twitter, whatever you want to do, I dare you to tell me that these six new flavors aren't going to make you hungry when I read them right now, guys, they've got caramel brownie, oh, they've got cookies and cream, oh, <laughs> they've got cherry barcia, nice name there, and lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, you know how exciting that is, guys. You know how exciting that is? It sounds great, right? I know. If you guys couldn't tell, I, I, you know, I indulge in treats every now and then. I got a little bit of a sweet tooth. But you know what's great about Built Bars, guys? I've mentioned it before. They're great because they're healthy. They're great for the health-conscious sort of guy or gal. You can lose or maintain while indulging in them for sure. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and they have high fiber. They're great for the keto diet, which I know some of you guys might roll your eyes because everyone's talking about the keto diet all the time. Well, still, a lot of people are into it, and it's definitely great for it. Just to give you kind of a little bit of a profile on one of those aforementioned new 
flavor is Cherry Barcia. Seriously, great name, guys. Uh, it's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories only, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams net carbs. If that doesn't sound good to you, I don't know what does sound good to you guys. Protein bars that taste like candy bars are my jam. So if you guys want to be a part of this relaunch, and you should be because guess what? They're actually offering for a limited time a free cooler with a purchase of Built Bars while supplies last. It will only last for a week or so, so you better get on it while it's hot. And of course, they still have what they had last time, which is if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Go do it. Go do it. It's great. I know I can't be waiting to taste taste these uh these new flavors. It's exciting. Built Bar rocks. But that's not all. That's awesome, guys, right? You know what else is great? We've got the candy bars and stuff that make your day better, right? Well, sometimes you need help getting through the day in a different sort of sense, not in necessarily the food sort of sense. And whether you're Chris Paddock, who has his rough night last night, of course, probably staring at the wall, just total frustration. I know I would be. Or your schmuck like myself, uh, who just spends eight hours a day on their bed recording podcasts or whatever. Bottom line is this. You need help to get throughout the day. You need support. It's super important. And CBDMD, our friends over there, luckily they've got an amazing duo that can help you just do that. You can relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets so chaotic, as it often does. They've got CBD Freeze with Menthol, which is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. And they've also got CBD Recover, which combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And like I said, this is the crazy part, guys. Isn't it so fun that you're just getting getting free like bonuses from listening to this podcast? Isn't it great? Well, guess what? They're offering our uh, listeners 25% off their next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. That's right, 25%, pretty good deal. So once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD.com. And guys, let's keep the train rolling. We talked about Chris Paddock. We blasted him a little bit. We said how bad he was, but we ended it with those silver lines there. Let's talk about someone who there weren't really a lot of silver lines you know what I mean so after Paddock gets pulled out the Luis Perderbo era kicks off right and you know I didn't know exactly how I felt about them bringing him in actually just because he hasn't been that great for us this season he really really hasn't and the technique technically the game wasn't totally out of reach at that point it's still just 6-2 four run deficit especially with how good the offense has been this year it's not you know inconceivable that they make a little bit more of a run at this well um you know I guess we all know what happens next, uh, that the game was quickly thrown out of reach. We get a lovely uh, two-run homer from Austin Barnes, Chris Taylor, who, of course, was the other one that was on base. He scores, then bets homers again. I mean, I don't know what to say, guys. It's just... You know, this was like the bets, the the all bets are off bookie bets game, rem- remembering that we're going to be facing this this jerk. <laughs> I actually really like bookie bets. He's a great, a great guy uh, for the next like 13 or so years. And he's basically the best player of the NL with the exception of actually, no, not the exception of. I mean, he, even at his worst, he's better than most guys. So uh, and I use worst in quotes, by the way, like he's freaking amazing, this guy. Right. So then after that. Guess guess what happens? I want you to guess who homers after that. That's right, Mookie bets again in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Chris Taylor, of course, who's on base again, scores. And look, I know with a seven-run deficit, it feels a lot more out of reach. 
you know what I mean? So some people may not care about this, you know what I mean? Even if this this didn't happen, which allowed the bets homer to happen, but I still do care because it translations into my next uh, topic, which is Jerks and Profar. They are out of the inning after nearly turning a double play, but Profar takes his foot off the base at second. Or should I say, oh no, 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 he didn't do what, you know, regularly happens. Maybe you slide off the base. No, it's he never had his foot on the base in the first place, you know? So it allows the guy to be safe at second, and it leads to the bets homer. You know, usually when it's a failed double play, and it was funny because I remember the broadcast I was watching, like, they went to, they were about to go to commercial, and then they came back, and I was like, oh, let me guess, like, maybe the, the guy at first was safe, right? Which is usually always the case when you're turning a double play, right? No, it actually turned turns out that um, Profar took his base, his foot off the base. It's just silly things like that that you see, silly errors by Jerks and Profar. You know, we gave up catcher uh, Austin Allen for him and a player to be named later. Hopefully those guys don't become, you know, studs for some reason. But even just the $5.7 mil- in arbitration that we're giving Profar somehow seems like a tremendous overpay for what he's given us. I think it's time to give up on the guy. And I'm only saying that because it's a shortened season. In a shortened season, I think it's time to give up on the guy. Even the two homers that he's hit so far this season, they feel completely empty. They happened when the team was already up by a lot of points, and they ended up getting plenty of offense anyway. Didn't turn out to be difference makers. He just never gets the hit when you need it. I mean, even when they're down, even last night when the bases were loaded and we're we're still down by a, you know, it's 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 six nothing, right? Like even there, he can't even manage to get a hit for us, you know. So it's it's just I don't see what, and it's it sucks because this guy used to be such a highly touted prospect. He used to have all the hype in the world, you know, and then he gets injured. I remember back in high school, like people were still super psyched about him. They're drafting him in fantasy baseball, right? Because they know if this guy debuts, he's still worth having on a team. He gets hurt. I think he had like an maybe like a. I think it was a shoulder surgery type of thing, and maybe that's what happened. Just a career kind of crippled and messed up by injuries. He was never able to reclaim the prospect status that he had at one point. Bottom line is this, guys. I think it's time to give up. I would much rather be having Greg Garcia play second base. I'd much rather have him playing. I'd much rather have Jake Cronenworth. We are not Cronenworthy. I'd rather have him playing second base. Anyone really playing there. Heck, you throw Jorge Mateo in there. Why not? Let's see what the heck he could do. I knew he's more of an outfielder. I just talked about how, you know, want him to be in the outfield more for sure but it's just it's just too frustrating and we don't have time for this especially in an NL West division that is kind of stacked and you know we're going to be talking about the D-backs in just a second they might be on the on the upside they might be on the turnaround right and you've got Colorado and LA obviously in front of us so there's really no time to waste I think they need to start considering giving up on this guy we just don't have time for him just don't have time and it sucks to see you hate seeing guys that just end up having disappointing careers right and now let's just talk about, that's the end of the game, 11-2, final score. Perdomo's final line, by the way, he only went two innings, gave up five hits and five runs. Only three of them earned, of course, two walks and two strikeouts. He's got uh, a 7.88 ERA on the year with a 2.0 whip. Yeah, really bad for Perdomo. I mean, like I said, was a little bit disappointed to see him come in because it's not like the game was completely out of reach. But still, bottom line, he hasn't been good. Um... But we got to look forward to, again, with the Silver Lags. As I did with Paddock, I'm going to do it again. We've got this upcoming Arizona series. They're hot off of some really good offense against the uh, the Rockies. But, 
you know, let's be let's be honest. Bats really start to come alive when you go up against the Rockies at Coors Field, right? So every team usually comes alive against them. But tonight we've got Lamette, so hopefully we can cool off their offense that they've had lately. Lamette has been the best pitcher for us in the totality of this season. Lamette's fastball has reached around 99 and 100 miles per hour a bunch of times this year. He's just throwing heat out there, and the D-backs are three for 19 against it at that speed. So it shows haven't been hitting him well, even if I'm a little bit nervous. Not gonna lie. So I'm gonna preface. I'm not expecting the guy to go absolutely, you know, his no-hitter like he did again because they did just face him the other day. He's already faced him twice this season. Again, guys, baseball wonders why some people don't fight attention. We played the D-backs, then we played the Dodgers, then we played the D-backs, then we played the Dodgers. It's like... You know what I mean? And then we're playing the D-backs. It's like weird. You know what I mean? When you see how the how this shakes up, right? So that's really what's going on right now uh, with baseball in terms of their scheduling. It's so weird. But, you know, I'm not they, – maybe they're catching on to Denimelson and Lamette, so I'm not super confident necessarily in that. But still got to have some faith in the guy. Uh, Merrill Kelly is going to be pitching for the D-backs tonight, and he's actually been quite good for them. A 2.29 ERA on the year with a 0.97 whip and 15 Ks. So, you know – Got it. Got to watch out for that. It might be a secretly like not a pitcher's duel, I want to say, but secretly pretty good pitching matchup tonight. And then Zach Gowan is projected to start on Saturday. He's been pretty good. I know that. Um, just one more note on Merrill Kelly. Billard would probably uh, just if he was on the podcast right now, he would say he was super high on the guy heading into the season. He's been pretty good. Zach Gowan has been pretty decent, and Richards gets the matchup against him again. Two kind of decent matchups. And then Kyle Quantrill is expected to get the start Sunday, which is what Jay Singler said last night after the game. And I'd also assume that Matt Strom, just like last time with Perdermo when he got that start, I assume that uh, Matt Strom will probably follow him up to make up for that fourth kind of fourth pitcher role. Uh, vacancy that we have of starter right there. We don't really have a true starter um, going in that role, so we'll see how that pans out. Unfortunately, we do not get to face Bumgarner in that game, otherwise known as the babe of my existence, Mr. Madison Bumgarner, because he's on the disabled list, but we do get to face Robbie Ray on this Sunday game, and he's been atrocious. So hopefully, you know, like I said, two good pitches for the D-backs, but the final game when we've got uh, Quantrill and Matt Strom, at least Robbie Ray, I'm not concerned about the the Padres' abilities to potentially hit that guy. He is, he'll give you the strikeouts, but he's going to walk a ton of people and let up a lot of runs. So he's really been a disaster. That one season he had where he was a borderline Cy Young candidate looks like the ultimate outlier of outliers, but still, guys, we'll have to see how it pans out. Let's not make him figure it out against us. So, yeah, with all that being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. Go send me some nice reviews on Apple, uh, the iTunes app. That would be really appreciated. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. <laughs>